You're listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Church Podcast. Here's what my goal is this evening. My goal is to bring clarity to you guys in the area of finances and to let you know that you're not a victim to money. That God has given us all the wealth in the world and he wants us to prosper and he wants us to be blessed so we can bless others. That's what he wants. When I was 18, I found faith in Jesus and I started a painting company in a 1964 Volkswagen Bug with surf racks. <laughs> and here was my secret sauce. If I told you that I was gonna come paint your bathroom for $50 on Monday morning at seven o'clock, I did. And when I was finished, I cleaned up. That was the secret sauce. And I did that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And while I was doing that, the Lord was working in my life. And so where I am today, and I think the reason Banning has me up here, is that what I'm gonna to talk to you about is the intersection of the kingdom of heaven and strategy. I believe that with strategy, with a vision, we're not going to perish. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Somewhere around when I was 18, I, have a, I had a friend who is now dead, who was an amazing prophet. And so I was in his camp and ran around with his tribe. And in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, the vineyard movement was going pretty strong and there, was, there were lots and lots of things happening. And so I would go with him to these crazy meetings. And I'm not the type that likes to fall down on the ground and roll around and shake and laugh and cry. But in those days, a lot of that was happening. And so I spent a lot of time standing like this. So I wouldn't. But my friend Lonnie, he, he would just go into these rooms and they'd get wrecked. And so I'd be stepping over bodies and trying to get out of the way and catch somebody here. And it was super uncomfortable. In the middle of all that, this really old guy, which probably my age now, <laughs> came up to me and he said, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And he, blah, 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 blah. And he said, you're gonna be a philanthropist. And I was, philanthropist? Well, I'm not gonna chase women around. What? what, I thought words from the Lord were supposed to be good. You know, this guy is calling me a, so I followed him and every, he, I had to, get out of the way of bodies falling. I finally said to him, hey, you know, 
I don't really like what you said to me. You, what, what did you mean by that? And he said, do you even know what a philanthropist is? No. So he said, it's someone who loves to give money away. And I give 90% of my money away now. And, and this is what this man said. I'm not saying I'm doing that, but that's my goal. Okay, not yet, not yet. We're on the way. <laughs> I still have about 30 more years, I think. So at any rate, this man was giving 90% of his money away. And he prayed that over me. And he prayed wisdom over me. So we left, and at, at that point in my life, um, <laughs> uh, I was painting out of my Volkswagen, and all these guys, Lonnie and his whole camp, were like, hey, Bob, are you going to take us out to dinner? <laughs> sure. And so it started. Uh, I would go with these guys and see the, see the Holy Spirit do amazing things and, you know, go buy dinner. So that's my ministry. I buy people dinner, buy people breakfast. People try to, people try to, if I go out with them, I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. It's my ministry. So, um, and this just happened. As I grew in the Lord, uh, my business grew. And this thing about wisdom, see, I'm as surprised probably as all of you people are that I'm standing up here because to me what wisdom means is that I've just made so many mistakes and I'm willing to talk about them. That's wisdom. It's not the gray hair. It's not that I'm smart. It's just that I'm willing to talk about how many mistakes I've made. Um, so in the late 90s, um, our company was on pace for a $6 million a year revenue run rate. And we were cranking along and we had taken, you know, 20 years to grow this or 18 years to grow this. And in one day, $3 million became uncollectible. $3 million. $3 million. I mean, even if it's 10%, even if it would have been $300,000, it would have been a death knell. And so at, at that point, that was the biggest business hurdle that I'd, that I'd ever had. There was no way to collect the money except to hire lawyers, and we were highly leveraged, and I had a small bank, and I, we were buying a lot of paint, and we were paying a lot of workers' compensation insurance. And I was freaking out. I was trying to trust the Lord with all my heart and lean on into my own understanding, but it wasn't working. <laughs> and, and the other thing I did is I isolated. So I isolated from Lauren. And this went on for about a month. And if you know Lauren, she's, she's, she is not going to put up with some behavior without understanding what it's about. So she finally got in my face and said, what is going on with you? And, you know, I looked at her and we, it, it took a while to get this out, but the shame that had come over me about this, 
this epic failure that was going to happen was so deep, I really didn't even know what shame was, except that when your mom says, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's all I knew. And I fi- it finally all came out, and I told her, and I was crying, and I, I you know, just thought, I'm so sorry I failed you. And she's, she, she looked at me, and she said, what are you talking about, Bob? If, if the worst thing that happens, happens, we still have each other. And we, we could downsize, or we could move to an apartment, and we'll, and we'll just start over. And I said, really? She said, Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what this marriage is. And so this courage just started boiling up in me. Like, hey, I can do this. And so I went the next week and I called my bank. And I said, I'd like to come in and see you. I put a tie on and went to the bank and said, I can't pay you. Here's what's happened. All these companies have been bankrupt. They're not paying us. And they said, hmm, what's your plan to pay it off? And I said, I don't know. But I will. If you will continue to extend me credit, I will work on paying this off. And so it, 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 for this business that I had, I started, I, have a, I still have this spreadsheet. It's called the claim spreadsheet. And it was two pages long, legal size, landscape. And it had every claim, all the notes, and I would go in once a month and give it to the bank and say, here's what's happening. I called my insurance agent, who we owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to, and said, how? He came to my office. I put a tie on. (laughs) That's what you do. And... uh, here's what my problem is. And he said, well, what are you, you going to do about it? And I said, well, what I want to do is I want to pay you $10,000 a month right now on what, I, on what I owe you. And then I'll continue to pay the workers' comp premiums because I have these jobs that are still going. He said, okay, great. He was an old, older guy with gray hair. And I did. My paint manufacturers, the same thing. Now, painters aren't usually known for being the most forthright people. So when I called, my, when I called the paint suppliers in, they were like looking at me like I was crazy, and they said, wow, I, we've never had this happen. Usually people just stop returning phone calls and then just leave. I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And so we worked out this plan over time. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is over time. This stuff takes time. And I know in, in a lot of, of these generations, especially the younger people, I hear all the time that if I don't make it by the time I'm 30, I'm a failure. I hear it all the time talking to young people. And it's such a lie. It's such a lie. I don't think Lauren and I made it till we were 50, oh, 35 years in business. Just struggle, persevere, work hard, work ethic. And 
everything worked out. And, and so what am I supposed to say when, when people say, how did this happen? <laughs> There's only one thing I can say. God is good. He is a good, good father. And he's faithful. And so what I'm going to talk to you about tonight is you have power over your finances. You are not powerless. And God wants to work this out. So what I'm talking about tonight is that we have, you know, relationships here on earth. We all have relationships. We have a relationship with the triune God. And we spend time in those relationships pouring into them, focusing on them. So why not focus some, some of our time inviting Christ into the area of our life that's the hardest. Why not? What, I, what, I, what I'm interested in is reducing anxiety and increasing love around the area of finances. And I'm going to show you how generous God is. I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, John 3.16. Okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son to hang on a cross for the remission of our sins. He gave us this gift. Everything he had he gave. This morning, Banning, Banning talked about, uh, focused on, he, he read the scripture, but he, he focused on the word world. But I'm focusing on love. He gave everything for us. And so, as I'm talking tonight, I'd like you to kind of shift your position to thinking Practically, that these scriptures that I read are around the area of finances, your money, your checks, your boss. And so many times we, we, we focus on what we can't do. I can't afford to fill in the blank. And what I want to talk about tonight is what can we do? What can we do? We can do a lot. We're Americans. <laughs> We're Americans. There's a lot we can do. I guess if I was in Asia, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so here's sort of my banner scripture that our friend Danny Silk has made famous. And 1 John 4.18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. All right, we're talking about money. How many of us have fear over our finances? Lots of us. Lots of us. And you're not alone. 
I would say 90% of the people that I talk to that are honest have fear over their finances. Hey, there's some, some people have really done well and God bless them. We need those people. But all you guys need to start doing well and realize that the creator of heaven and earth has come to set you free. Not only from cancer or a short leg or sickness or practical stuff. And Lauren and I see this all the time. We see practical miracles all the time. How do you survive a business where half of your, half of your uh, revenue isn't collectible for 36 months? Well, I put my painting clothes back on. I went out back out into the field. And then I returned phone calls at night. It wasn't easy. But God was faithful. And so here I am. I'm more surprised than anyone. I'm going to talk to you about generosity. In 2010, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, got together to talk about philanthropy. And they started something called a, 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 the Giving Pledge, which is a billionaire's club for for philanthropy. Now, it was no contract. They just started calling all their friends who were billionaires and they said, look, you don't need all that money. Sign this pledge that's not a contract and we don't care how you give it, but pledge to give 50% of your net worth to charity. Now, we might not agree with Buffett and Gates' politics, or views on the world, or even how they give their money. But they made a radical impact. Some of these guys decided, hey, they're going to give 90% of their income away. Right now, well, as of 2015, there are 141 billionaires worth almost a trillion dollars with a T, which I don't know how many zeros that is. But they committed to give 50% or half a trillion dollars away to charity. I'm sure that out of those 141 billionaires, there's some people in faith who are, who, are, who are giving their money towards kingdom causes. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? We can look at that example and say, that's pretty amazing. Except we have to get our own house in order first. Here's a couple more statistics. The National Institutes for Health, NIH, uh, did a re research on Christian giving for some reason. I, I don't know why they did. It was right next to heart transplants and you know, uh, all these gnarly surgery statistics, but this is where I got this. 3% of Americans give to their local church through tithing. 37% of uh, 
people who attend church identify themselves as Christians don't tithe. But here's something interesting. People who tithe, start tithing when they're 18 to 25, 20 years old, they tithe their whole lives. Now, I don't know, I don't know if I believe this, but eight of 10 have, a zero, credit, have zero credit card debt and 28% of those people uh, consider themselves debt-free. So there's a wealth mindset that's happening here. I can't explain to you about, about how this works because it's a mystery. It's a mystery. We read about it through the Old and New Testament that if we give our first fruits, and in the Old Testament, grain, doves, you know, whatever they were, calves, without a blemish, you know, I, Banning, you could bring your calf without a blemish to Banning. I think he'd take it. <laughs> we have a new building to build, right? God's called Jesus' culture into a new space. And it is going to happen. So we better bring a lot of fatted calves. It's going to be kind of messy in the offering baskets. Where, where, did, this, where did the fear of our finances come from? How many people here were, bo- were born between 1940, 1900 and 1945? The greatest generation. I don't, I don't see any hands. Okay? Let me tell you about these guys. They're called the greatest generation. These guys went through the Great Depression. They went through wars. And their whole mission in life was to work for one company for 30 years and get a gold watch. And their mission was put it away, pay for it in cash, and save, save, save. That, those were my parents. They lived through the Great Depression. People are jumping off buildings. The world, it seemed like, came to an end. Between 1946 and 1964, how many of us? Okay. So we're, we grew up with our parents having a fear about money. So we grew up long work hours. We thought we were competent. We thought we were driven. Some of, sometimes people called us workaholics. Our kids complained because we were gone. But the fear that had been instilled in us by our parents, what they'd seen, and rightly so, uh, affected us. Our, our kind of motto around money, the baby boomers' motto around money was buy now and pay later. Um, a, a lot of us were conservative and save, save, save. But this was a result of what our parents went through. The Gen Xers, 1965 to 1980, yeah. 
now. How many of those are there? Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys are you guys are smart. Amen. You are. You work smarter with greater output, but you'd really work weird hours. Like it's I can't even believe it. You don't get up at five in the morning, go to work, you get up at ten and go to work and then work till two in the morning or midnight or when I've already been asleep for five hours. But you guys, you guys, your views on money, if you can get there, you're conservative, generally. These are all generalizations. And you want to save. So that skips a generation back, back to the greatest generation. That's how they thought. And then the 1965 to 1980, the people who were born there, did I just say that? The 1981 to the 2000, the millennials, how many of those? Oh, okay. The cool people with the skinny jeans. These are my skinny jeans. And I got my Jesus culture Nikes on. I am, I am running with Jesus culture. Every time, every time I get Nikes I, and I'm, I'm in the gym and, well, I, the gym isn't that exciting anymore. It's just cardio. But I've got my Jesus culture shoes on, so I am running with Jesus culture. <laughs> it's the coolest thing. You guys are ambitious. What's next? Multitasking. I just can't even keep up with how many conversations you have at the same time. It... Really, I, I'm talking to my kids, and they're like, Dad, what are you... Well, I thought you were talking to me. No, I'm, I'm talking here, and, and I'm texting, and I'm on Instagram, and somebody's on my computer on Facebook. All at the same time? God, it's kind of rude. Shouldn't you just, like, focus on who you're with? You guys have seen what we went through and here we've got we've got kind of the earn to spend mentality I think it's the coolest thing I'm going to work until I have enough money to go to Europe for three months I came out of this responsible generation where I, I never went on vacation I mean for a week but it's like, we can do this. We're in the mobile world right now. We can go to Europe. We can travel around. And we can still work somehow. I'm thinking, how do you work 9 to 5 or 5 a.m. to 3 p.m.? But, but they can. And you do. And you're taking it by storm. And all these amazing ideas are happening. And my point here is not to talk about the generations as much as why do we think the way we think? We grew up with parents who, who their views on money were affected by their parents and grandparents. And so there's a lot, in each generation, there's a lot of, you know, we're not doing it that way. We're smarter than you guys. We're going to do it this way. And you got and, and you you young people, you are. 
You have everything at the fingertips and you're going to change the world. And Jesus' culture is full of a bunch of young people who want to change the world for the Lord. And I want to be part of that. It's exciting. Can't you guys just wait until there's a new, we're sitting in a new building where there's a center aisle? And we don't have to... Excuse me. Excuse me. It's going to be awesome. We all, we all inherited tension. What did you inherit from your, par- what your, from your parents or your grandparents or your family? What tension did you inherit and what are you carrying? I've had the most amazing privilege in my life to have four mentors who, who are amazing. And they're the most generous people alive. Uncle Lou Silverberg, Uncle Lou, the Jewish guy, took me under his wing when I was young. And he just, he just loved me. And he let me work in his law office. He believed in me. He told me I could do whatever I was doing. I, would, I painted his house, of course. When you're, when you're in a Volkswagen, you got to paint everybody that you know's house and all their friends. And, and he, over the years, I'll tell you a funny story. I was trying to get a bank loan from Wells Fargo, and this is nothing against Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo used to love uh, contractors, and then they didn't. But at this point in time, they did. And I was trying to get a credit line and a, and a term loan to help finance some operations. And I was really nervous. So I said, Lou, would you, would you come, would you come um, to this meeting? These bankers are going to come to the office. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, he said, sure. So he came, and these two young hotshot bankers came. I was a young hotshot painter, if there is such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and we're sitting around the table and, and Lou looks at these two guys and he goes, wow, you guys look like smart guys. You really do. And they said, oh, well, thank you. He said, what I can't figure out is why in the world you would be here and even consider lending Bob any money. <laughs> and, I, like, and everybody started laughing and he broke down the walls, you know, and we got alone. I don't know how that happened. He insulted them, he made them laugh, he complimented them, and they, they gave us the loan. This was my relationship with him. Lauren's dad, I, you know, I, I married the most beautiful woman in the world, and even when I was about to go bankrupt, she said, hey, we're cool. But I didn't know I was gonna get, I didn't know I was gonna get a, a, a father-in-law that ended up being a father. He's 86. Lose 81. These guys were the greatest generation dudes. And all he ever said to me, well, first, he taught me all the good things of life. He taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to smoke cigars. He taught me how to play golf. 
So he rounded me out and he taught me some other things that I won't say here that Lauren doesn't believe he taught me. She thinks I taught him. But his whole philosophy was, you know, oh, wow, he's the greatest generation, dude. Pay off debt. And so no matter what I did, here, hey, I've got this pro forma business plan, a budget that, that's going to go out five years. And he goes, oh, this is great. But you know, it's all a bunch of hogwash. I'm like, no, it's not. How do you know it is? Of course it is. <laughs> I made it up. You know, I'm, I'm looking to project he said, you need to pay off debt. And, and he, knew, he, he, he knew me. He knew what would push my buttons. And after years and years of this, finally I got enough courage or figured out to ask the question, Willie, when did you pay debt off? He stopped and he thought, mm, when I was, mm, I don't know, 45? I was 30, you know, and I'm like, okay, would you give me a break for the next 15 years, please? And he didn't. And he didn't. And so who, besides Lauren, who was the first person I called when we paid off debt? And you know what he said to me? Now start saving money. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. And then there's Pastor Don. He's 82, retired, vineyard theologian, Princeton educated. And he walked th through, he walked through all, these, all these times with me. And this is what he would say. I'd tell him about all these problems. We're going to call the hound of heaven down into this situation. And he is going to be victorious over it. Okay. Are we, when are we going to do this? <laughs> do I have to do it? Or are you going to do it? Because you, you're, you're really smart. And so these men, if you can see the blend of what they, what they brought, they all had compassion. I, I really like this two-stage setup. I can move around and it's pretty awesome. And my wife, Warren is probably the most generous person I've ever met. And so all these guys, Uncle Lou, the, the Jewish guy, oh, he spends his whole life on boards, giving to charity, doing good, mentoring people. I just happened to be lucky enough that I was his nephew. And so I just pulled in what they had. They couldn't get rid of me if they wanted to. I told them, oh, look, I am your favorite son-in-law, Willie. Everybody knows. He has six kids, so I was kind of dissing the other son-in-laws, but whatever. I pulled in from them. I pulled in from Lauren. It's hard a lot when your wife's, when your wife's right a lot. It's hard when you're freaking out and she says, look, let's just pray about this. She has this incredible faith. And so this, I felt like I had a team growing up. I wasn't, I wasn't isolated. And, and 
what happens in this life is these hard issues, sexual issues, financial issues, we isolate. It's easier actually for men to talk about sexual related issues. It's pretty hard, but it's easier to do that than to talk about the shame and the guilt associated with our money. I mean, we have IRS problems. In this room, we have IRS problems, okay? We have credit card problems that are humiliating. We have debt schedules that we don't, that we, that we just wish we didn't have. And so we can, we can change that. We can change that by inviting Jesus into it and taking a hard look at what is reality? I know that, well, I, all of us want stuff to happen right now. I, I don't want to wait. That's why fast food is so, such a big business because nobody wants to wait for anything. And especially the younger generation now who can multitask and somehow they can get McDonald's to deliver in an, while they're in an Uber on the way <laughs> to a formal dinner because they're hungry. I mean, I, it's incredible how fast stuff happens. But I want to talk to you about the concept of a runway. The biggest planes in the world, I don't, I don't, I don't know, what, let's just say it's a 747, but I know there's a bigger one, a new one. They can only land in certain airports that have runways that are long enough to and, and, and thick enough, concrete-wise, to handle them. They can't go land at a regional airport. And so the runway has to be long. And our life is a runway. And what we want to do is be successful by the time we're 30 or 25 or retired by the time we're 40 or we want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. There's things that we want. We just want it. And as Banning was sharing uh, this morning, it takes work. It takes work. And, and I'm, I'm defining work as the courage to actually look at what you want and then go after it. It also takes work ethic, which is getting it done. How many of you guys have carved a turkey? Yeah. Right? Okay, my dad, my dad came from the Great Depression. And so when he carved a turkey, there was nothing left on that turkey. <laughs> and then when he was done with that, he put it in a pot. Right? Everybody, right? So, I am making soup. <laughs> well, I have, Lauren and I have four children. And for Thanksgiving, Lauren invites just widows and single people and friends. And so sometimes we have three turkeys. 
And here my dad comes to this, all these people. And Lauren wants me to carve the turkey. Uh, actually, what she wants me to do is call, carve all three of them at the same time so that everything's ready and warm all at the same time, which is impossible. So as I'm carving the turkey, you know, my dad, at, when he was alive, he's sitting in a chair in the kitchen, he's watching me. And the first thing he's telling me is that I'm doing it wrong. And here, Dad, would you like to come in? No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. By the third turkey, I'm still doing it wrong. But now I'm having fun with them. And he gets up and he comes over, says, what are you going to do with all that stuff on the turkey? I said, what do you mean? I'm going to put it in a trash bag. He said, you can't do that. There's good stuff left on that. And where's your pot to make soup? I'm like, we don't do that here. We're putting this thing in a trash bag and then we're going to throw it away. I did not understand. I mean, well, how we grew up was different than how he grew up. And, and, this, and he finally, after a few years, chilled out and... Didn't tell me I was doing it wrong. Well, he always told me I was doing it wrong. But he didn't tell me I was wasting stuff. Are these generations... There's stuff in us that we don't know that's driving us in our, in our relationship with money. God wants to set us free. Reality is something that we grow up with and we don't understand because it's reality. It's just how we grew up. We get married and then we grow, we're married to somebody who grew up in a different way and they think you're weird. What do you mean you have ham for Thanksgiving? You always have turkey. Yeah. If your legacy is bound with shame and guilt around money, then how do you break it? How do we break it? Listen to this quote by John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States. He served for 10 years. I'm a warrior so that my son may be a merchant, so that his son may be a poet. And so here's these generations. This is what we want. We want our kids to have a better life than we did. 2 Corinthians 3.17. I'm going to read three scriptures right here about shame and, and guilt. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Can we invite the Lord into our finances? Yes. Because there's freedom. Amen. Hebrews 12.2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That must have been pretty humiliating, hanging up on a cross for doing nothing wrong in front of all your friends and family. And then First Chronicles 28, 20. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. 
do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you and he will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. He had a, he was in the middle of a pretty good construction project and you know, he was getting gold and timber and trying to get people to help him finish it. It was hard. But his dad told him, be strong and have courage. We, we want to break compartmentalization and isolation. We really do. We don't want to be isolated. How do, we, how do we change our mentality of an enslaved relationship with money from I work for my money to my money works for me? Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Right now, a lot of us are working for our money. And when you're young, that's what has to happen. But there's a certain, there should be a certain goal that at a certain point in time, whenever that is, not when you're 30, that you begin to, you begin to become a distribution center for the Lord. And your money begins to work for you. I'm going to skip down to Luke 14, 28 through 30. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost or prepare a budget, it's a bad word I know, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish People who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build but was not able to finish. He, he probably could have finished, but he didn't have a budget or a plan. How about plan instead of budget? Does that sound better? Budget, when I hear that word, it, it means freedom to me. A lot of people hear the word and, and think, well, we're just going to, this thing, I can't, even, I can't even imagine putting a budget together for my personal finances because then I'm just going to see how much money I don't have. Actually, what you're going to see is how much money you do have and you're going to see where you spend it. And it's going to give you the ability to adjust. In our Christian life, we want to adjust all the time, don't we? We're an onion skin. We're being peeled. And so the Lord's asking us to adjust. Well, in our finances, if we have the courage to look at our finances, to actually look at them, not close our eyes and just hope it gets better, to look at them, we're breaking fear. And fear can't exist with love. And so I'm going to challenge you guys. There's a lot of different ways to do a budget. For the younger people, there's apps, I'm sure. I don't even know what the name of them are. I'm sure you guys do. Just type in app budget and something will come up. 
for us older people, there's a pencil and paper. We can just, we can just write down, actually just write it down what our income is and what our expenses are. And you're going to be surprised. There's also Excel spreadsheets. So you can build one of those and you can track it every month. And I'm really encouraging you to do that. To just say, I, Lord, I am going to have the courage to look at what my financial situation is right now. And you might not even think you have a financial situation. But you do. We all have to pay rent. We all have to eat. You guys all have clothes on. So there's some way to organize it. How do we do this? I'm going to give you some ways to do it. Okay? This famous scripture, 1 Timothy 6.10, which isn't on there, I'm just going to add it. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Oh, there it is. Hmm. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So, you know, in the old days... Moses is walking around with all of his whole tribe and he's going to go up the mountain and get the Ten Commandments. And he's second in command, Aaron. Moses goes up into the clouds. Nobody can see him anymore. It's been about 24 hours or maybe not even that long. And the people get restless and what do they ask him to do? Build us an idol. Make us an idol. He's like, no, no, uh, um, no. Moses told us not to do that. He hears from God. They built, they made golden calves. And when Moses got down off the mountain, here was his tribe worshiping golden calves. That is an idol. And what the scripture's talking about here, the love of money, do not let money become an idol. Say to me, I want to be successful for the Lord so I can marshal his resources that he's given me and distribute them to the kingdom of God and to my family and we can be prosperous. Tell me that. Don't tell me I want to be a millionaire or a billionaire just because I do. There's work that goes into that. It's a process of work. Banning was talking about it this morning. We can't serve two masters We can't serve money. We can't serve the Lord. We can serve the Lord and have money and everything else in our life come under submission to our relationship with Christ. We can invite Christ into where our money is, where our marriage is, where our children are, where our parents are. You know, the greatest generation right now isn't doing too good. They're in their 80s having a hard time. I'm spending a lot of time with my mom. And it's like I've got four kids over here and I've got another kid over here who happens to be in her 80s. And for some reason it's really hard. And lots of people my age are dealing with this. Taking care of kids and then taking care of their parents. But what does Christ call us to do to take care of the widows and the orphans? 
So if we're going to do that, we have to have some sort of, some sort of base. Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If, if, it's in the, if it's in the correct alignment, just like anything else in our lives, we can take dominion over it and we can master it. And that's what God's calling us to do. Just around budgets, because I know it's a word that is, uh, is hard. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans. Budgets. Forward thinking. Thinking about what, 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 what we're gonna do. At Jesus Culture, we're thinking about how are we going to cause revival all over the world. Well, that's a little bit too big of a vision for me. I could figure out how to help people with budgets. But Banning, he's going to change the world. And we're all going to help him. And we're sitting here learning how to do it. And so let's learn how to do it in our finances also. Here's some handy tips. I have scriptures with them, but I'm not going to read them. Become accountable with somebody. You know, iron sharpens iron. Find someone who's older than you, who's been through this stuff, who has faith for you. Us old guys, find somebody who's younger than us, who has courage and tenacity and energy. so that we can help each other. Monitor your progress. Actually have the courage to use a budget or a plan and monitor it. Lauren and I have a annual Hassan State of the Union meeting. Usually we have it in Hawaii. But I take, we take, I take all these financial, I still carry paper, paper is one of my love languages. And we go, and we have this great time in Hawaii, and then one day we, we just are in this room and we are going over, going over the state of our finances, our budget. We've been doing it for 28 years. And we haven't done it every year, but it's something that we do regularly. And, it's, and, and the thing that we mark, the thing that we mark is how much are we giving? And our only goal is that every year it's more, right? I had a word when I was 18. Lauren's more generous than me. So that's what we mark. That's what we look at. That's what excites us. It's super exciting to look on your tax return and see, wow, this year we gave more than last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. I wonder how we're going to keep this up. Well, it's so mysterious because God does it. 
I can't tell you how God does it. We're not geniuses. Finally, in my business, when, you know, we'd been hitting singles and doubles all for 35 years. And then in the midst of, of the depression in 2007, I mean, I'm sorry, the recession in 2007 and 2008, you know what God did? He gave us the biggest contracts by triple that we'd ever had. And so while the country was roiling in what you guys remember is the recession, which has brought a lot of fear that it is not healed. Well, while that was happening, our business was going like this. We were setting sales and profit records. And so you guys remember, how's your business? Oh, it's not good. And I'm sitting here saying, it's amazing. Well, what did you do? I'm not sure what I did. I just know that God is good. God is good. And I can't give any more credit. I can't take any credit because I don't know what I did. And so he, he changed our lives through that. And we have so much compassion for all the people that went through all the terrible things they went through. But that is not the future, that's the past. And Jesus, Jesus says to us, he wants us to press on to the high calling. I'm really getting ahead of myself now. And I have a minute left. Well, I'll probably find it after I leave. Here it is. Here it is, Philippians 3.13. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Straining is a, that's a work word, straining. Straining toward what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If he can do that, we can do that with our finances. So is there some baggage? Is there some wreckage? Is there some debt owed? Is there some, yes. Yeah, but what we have to do is we have to look at it. We have to put it in a box and we have to say, how are we going to pay this off? And then we have to move forward and not be victims for what happened. Oh, our, my boss didn't pay me enough. The job didn't, didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. It just, it's happened. It's in the past. We are going to strain to go forward. Monitor your progress. Be prepared to make mistakes. Oh, you've got this great plan now. This awesome plan. And then the dishwasher breaks. The washing machine goes out. The transmission goes. You need new tires. Stuff happens. Life happens. Just shift and adjust. We believe God does that in other areas of our life. Let's believe it here. It's not a one-month thing. It's not a one-year thing that we're doing. It is a long runway. You have the whole rest of your lives. If you're 30 years old, you've only worked less than one-third of your working career. You have 35 years ahead of you. That's a long time. 
I'm going to close with a verse out of Galatians chapter 4, four verse 6 through 8. Because you're now part of God's family, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. You no longer have to live as a slave because you are a child of God in this area of money. And since you are his child, God guarantees an inheritance is waiting for you. What inheritance do we want to leave on the earth? What do we want to leave for our our children? Our relationship with money opens vision for how we want to change the world. We can do it. Whether it's two bucks or five bucks or 50 bucks, we can do it. If we can master this relationship in our finances collectively and individually, we can change the world. We can sort of be like Banning. We can, we can change the world in our, in our own area. We can influence people. He's influencing England and Europe and all over the United States, and it's the most awesome thing. But I can focus on what I can control. And, and, and that's what I'm focusing on. And so now it's, now my control, my, my, my net is getting bigger for some reason. And I'm super surprised. Allow the good, good father to welcome you into his heart around your money. We talk all the time about repenting and confessing our sin. Well, the shame and the guilt and the anxiety that we feel around money isn't sin. It's shame and guilt and anxiety. If you're in debt, you made a mistake. You made mistakes. Okay. What does God do? He forgives mistakes. So get set free from this. Find someone to sit with. If you're married, pray this stuff together. Forgive one another. And let God begin to take control of this area in your life. He is good. And 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 he wants to he wants to set us free from this. He does not want us to be compartmentalized. Here we are in church and we're really spiritual. And then we go out there and talk about money. And we're hopeless. We're not hopeless in here. Let's not be hopeless out there. Thank you guys so much. I lied. I have one more scripture. I didn't mean to lie. Usually I just cheat. I don't lie. But this time I... Proverbs 10. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. The Lord will repay you for your deed. Do you guys, have you ever gotten a loan and not been able to afford a loan so you have to get a guarantor, somebody to sign for you? Your parents or whatever it is because 
you're not cool enough yet. Can you imagine the Lord saying right here in the scripture, he will be your guarantor. Think about that. Would that give you courage? It gives me courage. I can go make a mistake. He is my guarantor. His shed blood on the cross for our money. Do you want to? Yep. Why don't you come up? I'm going to have Lauren come up because she is going to release some stuff. She loves to pray. I think you have to turn it on. Um, so what we want to do right now is in your marriage, in your life, in your finances, it can cause obviously incredible, incredible tension. There are things where, uh, you know, you're going to come into a relationship with someone you love and you're going to have different backgrounds. You're going to have different ways you do things and finances can be something that can really rip us apart. Uh, when my husband was going through, you know, a variety of things up and down with his business, the Lord had given me an encounter when I was very young. I was in my early 20s, and uh, I had my car towed. And to get my car out of being towed, out of hawk, was all of my money for food for two weeks. So I lived on wheat tina, um, onion soup, and eggs. And it was a disaster. And finally I thought, you know what? I can't do it one more day. And I'm running out of eggs. And, uh, you know, I, I just was like this. And I, I'd pray as a pretty new Christian, like, you know, God, I'm kind of freaked out. Like, I actually just don't even have food. I barely have gas to get to work, and I don't have food, and I have a paycheck for another, you know, two weeks. And so I, we used to have yellow pages. See, this is how old we are. So I went through like different opportunities to make money. And I finally found the greatest one. It was like, uh, you can sell your blood and get cash. So I'm like, yes, like this is the best. So I call them up and you know, I have enough gas to get down there. It's downtown. It's in the seediest place in San Diego. And the very end, the girl goes, uh, yeah. She goes, so um, I just need to tell you something. She said, you know, have a big meal before you come so you can give blood. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, bye. So I hang up and I'm literally sobbing. I am just completely undone. And I said, you know, God, are you kidding? Like, I, I don't have an answer to this anymore. I figured it out on my own as much as I could. And I just cried out. I said, you know what? I don't know how you are going to do it because I can't figure it out. The next day, someone calls me and they said, hey, Lauren. Okay, it was a guy. I didn't care. He was a friend. That was fine. And he goes, you know, do you want to go to lunch? I'm like, sure, I'll go to lunch. So I'd be really like, you know, I would eat half and then, you know, shamelessly, I'd be like, oh, I'll take half to go. Okay. 
The next day, some other guy friend calls me. Hey, do you want to go to lunch? And I'm like this. I go, this is shameless. I go, um, sure. Why not? Okay. Every day for a week, some friend, girl or guy, would call me up and say, do you want to go eat for free? Okay. So I was like this. I go, what was that? I go, oh my gosh. I have food. I'm not entirely broke. And you know what? The Lord told me at that point, as a very young, young Christian, he said, the spirit of poverty was trying to take you out. And he said, if you would have given into that spirit of poverty and self-reliance to try to figure out the shame that your car got towed, the embarrassment that I couldn't go to my parents, like I really screwed up. So I isolated trying to figure it out until I released it. It was interesting. It wasn't until a couple of years ago, someone going through some financial thing, the Lord said, uh, I forgot about it. He goes, share that story. I was like, oh yeah, the story. And the Lord said to me, you know what, sweetheart? He said, I would not allow you to sell your blood. I would not allow you to sell your blood because if you did, you would have made a covenant with poverty. He said, my blood paid for it all. So, you know, when Bob said, hey, Lauren believed it, Okay, you know what? Because I didn't have a covenant with poverty. When things would go up or down, we were like, how are we going to cover payroll this week? It was like, you know what, God? I don't know. But you know what? Like, I ate for a week. You're going to feed our employees. A check will come in. There's something in us where we need to break any mindset, any fear, any anxiety with poverty. See those red numbers? That means we're over oh, time. we're over. So we're yeah. going to do that right now. Yeah. But I want you guys to see that. Okay, I, I want you They're to understand. Now. They're flashing. Okay. <laughs> They're going to turn your mic off in a I second. Am I getting Academy Award and they're going to start playing music? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, but there was, there was something they said that, um, what, was, what's, what was that you guys saying? About yeah, the, 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 debt. the debt was paid by the blood. That's right. Okay, that's really paraphrased. I'm sorry, you guys. But basically, Maybe he the can come debt up and sing it again. is paid by the blood. Okay, so what we want to say is that you really can't do this alone mm -hmm. because it's who you are and it's your relationship with him. When Bob read the scripture about we have an inheritance, it's our relationship Today, Danny said, uh, sorry, Banning said, today Banning said, so sorry, um, Banning talked about having a tandem bike. He said, if you're on the back, you're not steering. We cannot afford at this time of life to have finances hold us back or we're going to be in the back of the bike and we're not steering. We need to steer. We need to be on the front. We need to not be afraid. Why? Because if you're afraid of your finances, 
What's gonna happen is you're only gonna have faith to dream for what your provision and yourself can do. We can't live that way. You need to not be ashamed of lack or plenty. You need to say, you know, God, you're so good and I am so your child and the plans you have for me are so phenomenal and great that your provision is coming in. I'm gonna say yes to anything in front of me and your provision's gonna come in to follow me. People will come alongside you. They'll love your vision. They'll be like, yes, let's do it. But as Bob said, we can't compartmentalize. We can't hold back and sit in shame and fear. So can we break that off right now? Can we just give you guys more? Do you want to go for shame? (laughs) I'm just watching you. Go for it. All right, here we go. Mm. Holy Spirit, I ask Mm. that you would reveal any place... where we have fear, where we don't have enough belief that not only are you going to carry our basic needs, but that you're going to allow us to dream, that we're going to be hindered. We're going to be embarrassed, embarrassed. I just hear the word embarrassed, ashamed, like there's just not enough, not enough. If you only knew how afraid I am that I have not enough, So I ask, Lord, that you, in your gentleness and mercy and compassion, would open up the places in the heart right now. I ask, Lord, that you would open up and that you would release a new level of belief, a new level of faith. I ask right now that you would remove the shame that comes from people trying to do it on our own. That we would move into our position as a son or a daughter that is well-loved with an inheritance waiting to be given to us. We break the hiding and the shame right now in Jesus' name. He has a plan to walk you through it, as Bob said. He's going to give you the tenacity to understand the wisdom, the accountability, the friends to move you to this new place of freedom. And Lord, we pray for all these in this house. Lord, for their jobs, for their businesses. We pray for promotion and new contracts, Lord. We pray for blessing, financial blessing in this house. For every person sitting here, Lord, that you would give them clear path and a clear direction how to proceed. Lord, and the courage to become accountable to friends, the courage to be able to give feedback to their employers and their coworkers. Lord, we serve you and you own everything on this earth. And so, Lord, we appropriate that now for this house. Lord, your resources into these seats, into these people.
for what they're doing, that you would bless them. And Lord, that you would break the victim mentality that would cause him to feel hopeless. Lord, we're not hopeless. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, I ask that you'd start to give them a new vision and replace it so they see what the money is about, where it's going to go, and you would release something over every member of this house, every member of this house, where they would start to understand the finances, the prosperity, the abundance, Lord, is because it's what's going to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That they'd start to have visions. They'd start to understand what finances mean, why you want to be part of this. That they would start to understand that you have great things for them that will make the world come alive. That it's their passions, Lord. It's their purposes. And they will be fueled by the provision you are bringing. So release, Lord. Release. Release, Lord God. A new understanding. Something where they understand they have a legacy to release to the earth now. They have an inheritance now. That they start spending your inheritance, Lord. And they know that when they call on you, you will bring more, Lord, to do everything that you have called them, purposed for them to do. going to take a few minutes and actually um, uh, pray into some of these areas, and I'm going to have them address a few things. Uh, again, we're going to go for a little bit. If you, if you need to leave, you know, obviously feel free. I, I, I don't want us to have a mass exodus. I'm just saying, I know that um, we're going to go longer tonight. Uh, there, there really is something. This moment right here is important, but I feel like we need to be able to stand in response to some of this stuff. Uh, I want us to pray over this issue of shame again. Uh, but, I, but I want you to stand. It's important that we just break that thing. Like, it's very interesting to me how, um, so, so yeah, there we go. If you're dealing with shame around your finances, uh, and, then, and then I want us, we can raise our hand or something, but I feel like we need to not just have them pray general, a general prayer over us, but we need to respond and say, that's me. I, I, I know what it is to be embarrassed. It's very interesting about, I know what it is to be embarrassed about being in debt. And, 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 and even realizing that and what he's, talk, what, what he's talking about tonight in that we approach our finances different than every other area of our life. Like somehow I believe God will forgive me of my sins but not forgive me of my debt. Because in my head I think, well, I got myself into this problem. I'm the one that didn't budget. I'm the one that overspent. I'm the one that wasn't good with my money. And, and I'm like, if I had that philosophy... <laughs> with my sins, I wouldn't have thought he'd forgive me for my sins either, right? So it's very intriguing that we approach our finances differently, and this is what he's talking about, than other areas of our life. I have faith that he'll forgive me for my sins, even though they were my sins. And so the thought that God would come and forgive me of my debt, and again, it's, it takes time and it's work, but you, you understand my point on this, right? And so I feel like we need to actually respond, not just let them pray over us, but actually go, that's me. That's me. And also understand that you're not the only one. It's a very weird thing that happens in both sexual issues and in financial issues where you literally think, I'm the only one. 
nobody else is in credit card debt. <laughs> just nobody, nobody is. I just know they're not, it's just me. Or nobody else is dealing with this issue or that issue. So um, can we take some time, and I'm gonna let, in, in Kate's appearance, she can help whatever you need. But even some of the things you just mentioned, and I, then I would love to do this. I would love to pray over people that, uh, um, the business people that you talked about or sales or things like that. I'd love just to take some time and just go after this. And I really believe that the Lord wants to release something. There is an anointing in the room right now for breakthrough. There's an anointing. Do you guys feel the grace that's in here as far as the faith, the grace, the the hope, the the different mindset that comes in on this stuff? Do you guys feel that in here? And it really will make a difference. So I'm sorry for interrupting, but um, can we do the shame thing again? And you don't have to go real long, but, but, but I feel like we're supposed to respond to that. So if you're dealing with shame over your finances, will you just raise your hands? Okay, we're going to just pray again with that thing. And, and we'd like to pray again about those that are just petrified, just dealing with fear about their finances or whatever else you guys are feeling. Is that right? So Lord, we break shame right now. We break shame. We break shame, Lord, that came from the Garden of Eden when man tried to do things on their own. We say we are not alone, and so we tell shame, we remove you from our being, from our heart, from our mind, our emotions, our will. We say no shame. We repent right now of shame over finances. Shame over anything in your past where you said that wasn't a great choice that I made and I am humiliated and embarrassed that I'm in this debt. We break the shame right now. We say that there is no shame when we walk with the Lord. No shame. He took it on the cross. So Lord, we break shame and we say, Lord, when we come in with you, we do not hide. We do not hide. We do not hide. And we are unafraid because it is your job to fix it for us and with us and through us. We trust you. So if you have shame, I want you to take that. I want you to release that. And I want you to see that going on the cross. And I want you to see the blood that was paid for it. The blood that was paid. How many people here would like a promotion? Or how many people here are in business and are running a business? I'd like to pray for you guys. We'd like to pray for you guys about this. Lord, thank you for these businesses that are here. Thank you for these entrepreneurs. Thank you for the people here who have jobs and want to go higher. And Lord, we break the hand of the enemy that would be holding back any of these businesses or promotions, Lord. I pray for contracts that are held up or payments that are held up to be broken free now in Jesus' name. Release the funds that are owed to these business people, Lord. I know you can do it. You've done it in our lives over and over and over again. And I pray this over these business owners and people. In the strong name of Jesus, that you would unleash what is due them, Lord. 
and the anger associated with how unfair it is, we break that also, Lord. It is unfair. But Lord, you, you hung on the cross for us. You said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So in my view, Lord, it's, it's your job to take this for us. It's our job to give it to you. And we release it now, Lord. We release it. Contracts and promotions, payments, healing of systems that aren't going quite right. Creativity, Lord. So that we'd be able to see people that we have working for us that the cur- would have the courage to come to us and say, I see a better way. Have you thought about this? And the humbleness of heart in this room to listen and say, ha, I never thought of that. Lord, break these businesses open tonight. Break these promotions open tonight. And the people who need jobs or are underemployed, give them what they need, Lord. Part-time to full-time. The next area I feel like the Lord wants to upgrade is our belief system. Uh, We will only go as high as our conscious and subconscious beliefs that we deserve. It's a kind of a, it's like a sabotaging thing. And we think like, I'm comfortable with this, but oh my gosh, I don't know about that. Or I'm going to always have this sort of poverty. I'm fearful. Like maybe I could get here. Uh, The Lord says beloved, which is, which is, Uh, treasured child, treasured child. I would that you would prosper in all things. And the word for prosper literally means come to the desired end. And so I feel like the Lord is saying he wants to increase your belief system because he wants you to start seeing a desired end that's so far past what you can think, perceive, or believe. Because it has to start to become kingdom. You guys need to start pulling into supernatural resources so that things are happening that that bring him glory, where you marvel at who he is and what he does. And so I think we really need to go after um, um, just an upgrade in your belief system. I actually want you all to stand for this. Okay? All right. I'm gonna, we're gonna declare, uh, you're gonna declare, I'm gonna say something, you're gonna just repeat after me. Father, I thank you that I am your well-loved child. I thank you that you have an inheritance for me. That your kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. I ask that you would expand my belief system. You would align it with yours. That I would laugh in the morning at the absurdity of what you want to do next. And be delighted you want to do it through me. Give me an upgrade right now of the way I think. What I believe I deserve. What I believe I can do. 
Give me a new relationship with finances. The wisdom of Solomon to build the house of God. Thank you, Lord, that I am going to receive new revelations. How to do things in a new way. With you, I repent of trying to do things on my own. From uh, keeping things just to what my capability can handle. Um, give me a new mindset. Give me the mind of Christ that I know I always have provision for dreams, for friends, for family, for my city, for everything you desire to do with me and through me. I will always say yes. I say yes to being your child. I say yes to my inheritance. I say yes to what you want to do in my life. I will no longer be held back. Thank you, Papa. Thank you for my inheritance. Yeah, so good. So good. There's just that one last strand that Lauren hit on that I feel like we actually need to do just even like a little prophetic act. If you can feel that you are prone to self-sufficiency and trying to figure it out yourself and deal with it yourself in the area of finances right now, just let's, yep, I, I can feel that. And, and let's just take a step forward today. I'm, I'm gonna stand in a new spot and <laughs> just saying, yeah, dad, actually just say this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all. Like, I'm sorry, God. I, I, we, have, we have tried to figure this out ourselves. We've tried to be self-sufficient. We've been isolated, whatever it is, whatever it's looked like. It's a new day. The tide is turning. We're making a choice today. We're making a choice today to do it differently. Okay, we're stepping out of that self-sufficiency. And I just feel like there's steps tonight that these guys have given you. Man, so awesome that we raised our hands saying, yeah, I relate to the shame. I relate to that. That is the first step. That is the first step of letting that peel off. Second step, tell your story. Share it with somebody who has earned the right, who, who you can be safe with to be vulnerable. Share it. Talk about it. Talk about it and keep getting it out until that shame lifts. Let acceptance and love in. Okay, can we do that? Okay, so anybody who related to the shame, you're going to talk about it this week. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit, who's the person, who are the people that are safe that you're putting in my life in this season to help me, to, bring, to embrace me with love and acceptance? And then the plan, the plan, ask for help. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know the next steps, find out, okay, who's, who's doing this pretty well around me? Ask for help, ask for input and advice, lay it out with people and say, hey, this is, this is what I've got right now going on. Help me think of the next steps. Help me put together a plan, okay? Can we do those simple things? In addition to all the other tips that, that we've given. We'll have Danny ask him next week. We're gonna have Danny ask them yeah. next week how that's going. Next Sunday night, how's it going? <laughs> Danny's gonna ask you. Okay, 
So much hope, so much faith. Thank you guys for relaying a new reality that we just, yeah, let's interact with our finances in the same way that we adjust. Thank you so much, Assens. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, God, for the abundance of heaven that we get to experience that you have bought and paid for, giving us full and free access to. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you for being with us tonight and staying through. Go have those conversations, get love and acceptance in, and work a plan that's going to set us up. Love you guys.